episode 70 of the Metro Fan TV rundown coming to you live off the backs of six points in just a matter of days. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, it's uh, normal service back in this podcast once again. Uh, last week's episode was but a fever dream. All those uh, guests that you imagined weren't actually real. They were all happening inside of a mind of a child with <laughs> um, in a dream. Uh I don't exactly remember how that show goes, but I think that's what the premise was. But anyway, uh, that being said, uh, references to dated 90s sitcoms aside that I think basically nobody in their listener pace may get, it is just me and Juan once again. So, Juan, how are you? I'm trying to get through it, Lens. You know, uh, one of my close personal friends had has, uh, has passed away. Uh, he actually lives on the other side of the world. So, uh, shout outs to my buddy Shinzo. He's your friend. Yeah, we go back. So, like, you hate Chinese people? Oh shit! Oh god! <laughs> <laughs> you do realize I'm Chinese, right? <laughs> Wait, gonna, what? Yeah, I'm gonna fuck you up, dude. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> but in the spirit of a, in the spirit of Shinzo Abe, let's just uh, deny that that ever that, let's that, just that deny exchange the fact ever that, happened. That we just did. This. Okay, yeah, that exchange never happened. Okay, that like, exchange <laughs> never happened. We're gonna deny it. It was it, it was a it was a matter of fiction. Yes. Uh, anyway, uh, that being said. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about some other, um, <laughs> let's talk about something a bit more serious now. <laughs> yes, the New York Red Bulls. Oh, uh, dear. Um, yeah, it's been a wild day, huh? I mean, <laughs> wild day, wild day, wild day. But anyway, I think uh, there's there's also some wild stuff going on in uh, the world of New York Red Bull soccer. Uh <clears throat> Of course, uh, we are coming to you live off of the backs of uh, two of uh, two wins, and I think uh, if I'm counting on my fingers, I think four days, right? Three or four days. Uh, win against uh, Atlanta United at home, two one. Uh, what was a very fun, cathartic? It was a very fun win, and of course, uh, on Sunday, my time anyway. Uh, win away at Children's Mercy Park against Sporting Kansas City. Uh, in spite of, uh, let's just say, uh, putting it rather charitably, um, some rather um, questionable refereeing decisions. <laughs> let's just put it that way. I mean, uh, I'm sorry that this has to be such a recurring theme on the podcast uh, this year, but it really does. It's yet another one of those games where, like, uh, you know, it really, in the words of Jose Mourinho, Feels like there's a campaign against this, but you know, it it is what it is, right at this point. And anyway, we shouldn't be too dour over the fact that we literally achieved the best possible scenario from this spate of games in winning both of them, right? We weren't. I wouldn't say they're the most convincing wins. They definitely weren't the most uh, beautiful wins, but they were wins at the end of the day, right? And I think a mark of a one of those intangible things that gets kind of overlooked was kind of the fact that, you know, I mean, uh, e- even that good teams tend to win even when they're not their best, right? Ugly exactly. wins are still wins. We saw a lot of them even in 2018, right, when we were on that all-timer run at the top of MLS. Uh, 
I will never uh, complain about dubs, basically. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think uh, let's um, focus a little bit on uh, let's focus a little bit on what stood out from the game for us. I think uh, I think uh, it could kind of be I think uh, it could kind of be defined as being games that required some tactical tweaks. And yeah. as a result of that, like there were some pretty strange things happening from a personal management standpoint, right? Uh, but ultimately, the tweaks were correct, right? And at le- and as long as the tweaks are paid off, like I can't really complain too much. But just looking back at the, you know, just looking back at it, of course, I think everybody will point out the mm-hmm. first half substitution of Pomir Fernandez for Cameron Harper, right? Uh, in the SKC game, at where we switched from, I think uh, the back four to like uh, the back to the usual three five, not even three five two, maybe more like three, three four two one, three four two one, yeah, yeah, that we've been playing. I was about to call it a three six one. <laughs> you know, Which that's not that's is. not it. Kind of kinda is. is, you know, the, yeah. the players behind the striker would be two advanced midfielders. Yeah, we we. Whenever we do like three center backs, the, the the main switch would be whether or not we play two strikers or we play two advanced midfielders behind the striker. So yeah, I mean, yeah, it's just a stag. It, it, it's a staggered three six one. Yes, <laughs> we want to be really technical about it. Yes, <laughs> but we. But I, I've never read inverting the pyramid, so um, I'm not going to be too much of a stickler about that. <laughs> At me, Michael it is Cox. it is a three six two is no yeah the three six one is what I distinctly remember uh, the formation that Mexico had in Pro Evolution Soccer two thousand five and I'm like this is strange. Um, oh wow! Yeah, you mean the one that had Jared Borghetti like up as the lone target man and you had all those fellas like <laughs> Pavel Pardo exactly yeah fighting for the scrap Jaime Lozano exactly. You know what was a cool player? Osvaldo Sanchez. But we'll get into that oh, man. some other time. Goalkeep- <laughs> we can talk about goalkeepers later in the episode. Yeah, of course, of course, of course. Uh, undersized goalkeepers that as well. So, exactly. Always fun. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I think both of these games, uh, as far as on our side of the ball, were characterized by... Uh, tactical shifts not even not even because in the pat in, in earlier stages of the season we would see that the team would not get themselves into the game and then we would make the adjustments at halftime uh and then we'd find our way back into the game you know at some point after the 45 minutes but these games we actually did the the changes much earlier in atlanta we we set up with you know the three three four two one or whatever and we were noticing that Atlanta, well, Atlanta didn't weren't playing their usual game against us. I think they they specifically set up to counter the way that we were playing, just because half their team is dead, and I think that they yeah. were just trying to to survive away from home. And so uh, they had mirrored our on the back end. They they were playing three center backs, particularly because uh, just to have an extra body back there, but I guess also to. Uh, they were they they compacted really quickly as soon as we got up the field, but then also when they were building out of the back, it let them uh, spread the ball a bit more along the back line, especially through their goalkeeper Rocco Rios Novo, who like played well like fifty passes all game long. He basically made himself an extra outfield player um, to stretch or press to to 
to, to separate our, our forward line from the midfield as much as possible. Um, and so in the 30th minute, I think this, cause I remember Struber at the halftime interview, he was saying that like around the 30th minute mark, they basically went to a four, two, three, one, basically taking Cameron Harper, uh, from that wing back spot and basically making him a right winger. But then also in the second half, he was not as getting wide as much. He was basically playing in the Lukinia spot. What, what would happen when we would play, you know, with three midfielders behind a single striker. Um, and then against Sporting Kansas City, the exact opposite. So we went with a four-man back line. And Kansas City were just really good at breaking our lines and just getting up and down the flanks in a, re- in a way that was not making us comfortable. It was like stretching our back line in, a, in really uncomfortable ways. So then we make the switch at 25, 26 minutes. We take off Omir yeah. and put in Cameron Harper again. Another Cameron Harper again at at the center of this tactical shift uh to play as a right wing back um and then dylan nealis playing as uh moved over to the left hand side of the field to be left center back um but yeah yeah i mean uh, contrary to yeah i mean uh contrary to uh what i think i i, I thought initially right i mean i think uh, uh focusing on the atlanta united changes especially i think you touched upon this point where uh, you know it's very anime to say this, but the untested goalkeeper ends up becoming like the uh, the keystone, right? And yes. then, like you can imagine, like the really dramatic shots at the touchlines where Struber is like the goalkeeper, da da dun, the keeper, <laughs> as he's like spraying balls like out to like the wings and like through the middle. And I think particularly, I think like uh, I think uh, that was uh, pretty pretty interesting to see, right? Because I think the shift of uh, the uh, shift of that line, right? The usual, uh, like the four and the three, four, two, one up until what we, I think would be defined as more of a conventional four, two, three, one, right. Allows for the wide players, especially to like pinch in a little bit more, right. Because they're already in a bit more of an advanced position to, uh, you know, to contain, right. The back line spreading out a little bit more. Right. Whereas if I think we just had the lone wing back patrolling that spot out there, like, uh, it kind of results sometimes in space being compressed a, uh, a little bit more space being open out in the wings, right? Because I think that front three likes to compress the center of the field and really zone in there. But if you had somebody who's really, really adept at like breaking those lines, right, that opens up a lot of space like out in the flanks because uh, of the fact that, as you mentioned, right, once you get out there, there's only that one lone wing back and maybe perhaps the uh, weak side center midfielder pushing up a little bit more to try and cover that side. But in a way, like having a goalkeeper like that who's adept at breaking the lines, right? Um, while allowing his defenders to push up and provide those wide options, right? Really proved itself to be a bit of an asset. And in the end, we, I mean, they're pretty glad that we solved that problem because uh, Cameron Hart Group <laughs> gets to show off his uh, defensive uh, news here, which I thought was kind of impressive, right? The. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, I think uh, this kind of bode well for Harper, particularly, I think, for his uh, prospects on the team long term, right? Because I think uh, in addition to being probably still one of the most, uh, one of the better um, options we have in a wide position, like he shows that he's not going to be a liability on the defense. I think he understands the, I think he understands, you can see that he understands the um, the pressing triggers a lot better. Right, about a year yeah. and a half into his uh, time with the team, 
And now it's starting to really pay off into the fact that now the manager trusts him to be able to do a little bit of what Alex Muel used to do, right? <laughs> Provide that yeah. pressure from out wide and pinch in and help, uh, you know, um, help give a opponent something to think about when they try and play the ball out the back, just of how tenacious and how uh, intense he can be in the press, right? Maybe not quite at that level yet, but he's definitely making games towards that. So that's... That was pretty nice to see. I do think to give your hats off for that. But as an ace side, you know, I mean, like this this guy from Atlanta, right, being who is up until this point buried behind Bradkey's end, right? Like, uh, I know I'm going to be speaking in really rough generalizations here, but just looking at his profile, like 5'10", on loan from Lanús, right. of uh, Argentinian descent. Like, this screams like classic South American goalkeeper who yeah. only went in gold because nobody else wanted to go in. Right. Yeah, he was. He's also. I think they called him up from. Uh, I think I'm pretty sure they called him up from Atlanta too, as well. Yeah, he did. I mean, like apparently he was on loan from Lanús to Atlanta United too, because like I, I don't know. I mean, like Atlanta barely have enough guys right now to field a right. proper team, right? Uh, the attack is uh, the ghost of Jose, Joseph Martinez and a lot of hope. So. <laughs> they still have that guy Machop Chol though, so I'm still waiting for him to become Machamp. <laughs> <laughs> he needs to evolve his game. He needs to evolve his game, yeah, but he's not gonna do it. He's not gonna do it there. He's not gonna do it if you don't give him the reps. That's that's the simplest. Actually that's true. No, but here's the thing, you can you can, Machamp only evolves when you trade him right. So Oh, interesting. So the next <laughs> team. <laughs> Okay, now that being said, um, now that being said, I think um, it's kind of impressive at how much the shine has really come off Atlanta United, doesn't it? <laughs> like, oh, man. Like, it's like we weird. Beat them, that, like, like I said, we, we, beat, we beat them 2-1, and it was like, oh, okay, cool. It's, 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 a, it's yet another win as opposed to be like, ha-ha, you guys suck. And we yeah, I completely grow. forgot that they still have. It's been such a while like that we've been playing games against them that I completely forgot that they still haven't beaten us at home. Or at yeah. all, they haven't beaten us at all in the regular season. Yeah, exactly. It didn't. It did. It also didn't occur to me that like the goal that they scored uh, last week or the week beforehand was like the first goal they've ever scored at Red Bull Arena as well. Yeah, no, it was such a soft goal to give up as well. But yeah. I wasn't even too mad about it because, like as we said, uh, the shine's fallen off of them so much that the bets don't really flow like they used to between fan bases. Yeah, the only player that's left on that team, I guess, that was in that game that's consistently been part of that lineup against us has been Joseph Martinez. And I guess as soon as he stepped on the field, we're like, well, history's going to correct itself and you're going to lose again. <laughs> Even if he does score a goal. Yeah. Which I'm glad turned out to be the case because I think that's kind of the uh, pivotal moment from uh, the Atlanta United game, right? Uh, I mean, as uh, Serge Goma. Coming, uh, I I do believe that he is the youngest goal scorer in MLS this year, at the very least, right? And he's the I don't third, doubt that. Yeah, I think it's something like the third youngest goal scorer in club history with this goal or something like that. I mean, somebody. Yeah, I think probably... we've had we've had three goal scorers uh, before their like seventeenth birthday or something like. We're the only team that has had like three different like debut goal scorers on there. There was or three: Eddie Gavin and. Josie, right? If I'm not mistaken. Oh, yeah, probably Josie, yeah. Yeah, it was one of those. I mean, I think, uh, yeah. So 
yeah, I mean, that, I, th- I thought that was pretty fucking cool to see, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, it was a great finish, too. Such a, It was such a classic goal, right, of what you expect from, like, a pressing team, you know? Uh, yeah. Especially the way, like, he just didn't give the guy who received the ball, like, any time to, like, turn. Alex DeJohn, yeah. right, was the guy who Alex DeJohn, yeah. From. Yeah, that was... Wearing, wearing, wearing not only short socks, but then he had his shorts hiked up to, to hoochie daddy levels. Uh, <laughs> and I'm just saying, as someone who also enjoys to wear shorts halfway up his thigh, uh, you're making us look bad, guy. Yeah. You need to, you need to wear triple XL next game just to, just so you can learn your lesson. Uh, he should, uh, he should go full Julio Cesar, right? Right. Have it like, have the, have the waistband like hanging off your like, uh, Hang off, like, <laughs> right. hang like, hang off like halfway up your thigh at that point. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and I guess that goal too. It's like at that point, like Atlanta's strategy of of the way they had set up playing around the back, and it was it was really frustrating at times. The way like the center backs would just like knock the ball around and kind of just avoid our press and stretching our press. That that was really the only mistake that they made and that's what cost them. And that's, it's sort of like the fine margins, like too, like the goal that they scored on us, like it had Tom Edwards, not injured his ankle and started limping. Like their left back would not have been able to like have acres of space to run into to get to that ball to the byline. So it's like, you know, and if we want to give credit to also to Lukinias virtually changing this game too, we can do that. I think we do that on this podcast, like every week, <laughs> a lot, but man, but it's only because, really, yeah, yeah he's the only guy doing like all these amazing things every week right yeah yeah his, um, like we we again like him like him coming into drip like we again we we met, we're a broken record on this podcast but like his his like the dribbling did make a difference like not even like on the play that he won the penalty on um but he did multiple times, like with like relative ease, where he just like, oh yeah, I can just dribble around the defender and come back inside, and I can just keep doing that all game long until something happens. Yeah, I mean uh, that outside in movement that he has in his uh, arsenal is so nasty, right? You know, the pops up basically anywhere on the pitch, and just like all of a sudden he's he's gliding past dudes. It's a lot of fun to watch when he's in full flight. I ain't gonna lie to yeah. you. Um, this is why uh, anybody <laughs> dissing uh, the extra cl- the Polish league vintage that he came from, I'm gonna slap the shit out of you. Like, <laughs> uh, but I think um, just to go back down to uh, the um, circle back down to I think um, right the Ngoma goal, right? I mean. Uh, and the other things that kind of stood out about his cameo, right? I mean, I think uh, very. It, it's impressive that you know it's not just the fact that I think uh, you can tell from the way he moves that he definitely has been gifted with a lot of physical ability, but it's also like I think uh, you can tell, right? This is a product of a guy who has been inculcated, right, in a consistent way of playing. Throughout yep. his time in the academy, and even though we may not necessarily press the same way at all levels of the academy just yet, right? And I mean, like, in the spirit of fairness, like the the system itself has had so many changes over the years that um, it's probably not um, 
the system itself has had so many changes over the year that what he learned in the academy was probably a bit different from what we're doing at senior level right now. But to see him kind of step in and immediately like grasp how a forward should be moving in context of a, a pressing system, right? right? Be able to like uh, adapt and interpret those instructions from the manager in this in the way that he wants to press with the senior team and have that turn into a goal, like almost immediately. Like I thought, you know, I mean, I think that's one of those intangible things again, right? That doesn't really show up in the stat sheet. But like uh, you know, having the having the knowledge to interpret those instructions, even though they may not it may not necessarily be the same type of press that you played while you were coming up through the academy and with Red Bull too, to immediately turn that into something at the senior level, I think that has to be you have to kind of have to take your hat tip your hat off for that for someone who's only sixteen years old. Yeah, you know, someone who also the I think. Because uh, <clears throat> in the other appearances he's made, oh my god, it's so. Uh, behind me the philly philly dc is happening and it philly just went up seven nothing on dc <laughs> uh, absolutely binned away anyway um because we haven't been i don't well i i kind of know where serge and serge goma would normally play but i guess you, we've seen his cameo appearances this season i think it was away in orlando was his debut i believe or it might have been away in toronto that probably was it was away in toronto he was sort of in an, in an advanced position basically kill the clock i think this is the first time he comes into a game where we're like really chasing a result um the last time he came in he came again he came in in the game against uh los angeles fc and he was he was dead ass playing right center back like <laughs> i thought we were chucking dudes forward like oh he come off he comes off for edwards and that would be that but like no he was actually just playing alongside uh uh sean the nihilist brothers uh, and in this particular game the one against atlanta he was actually playing um behind barlow in between the so like basically the omir spot basically if we want to think about like who he came in for so yeah. he comes in for omir but then he actually plays in that central spot and then i guess off the ball he was also in that Omir spot where he's like in the pressing, like the first one to press, I guess. Out center wide. wide channels, right? Yeah. Yes, exactly. Central wide channels, yeah. Sort of in like yeah, that old 10.5 role we used to play when we played a 4-2-3-1 primarily, but that's not really a thing anymore. Right. It's uh, good that you brought up that Toronto game, by the way, because like that, that was another game where he shows that IQ, right? I mean, uh, he was pretty involved in the third goal as well, I recall, because he made that run to the near post that shadow run of the near post that opened up the space for Tom Barlow to creep in at the creep in like behind him. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. That makes it an easy finish for him. So yeah, I mean, I already kind of showing his smarts, right? So definitely I think, uh, you know, without to cut a long story short, uh, definitely a guy to keep your eye on. Some very, very good looking cameos so far. Yeah. Uh, and Eric I think the only, the other goal like that he's Oracle, but anyway, yeah, <laughs> the guy who uh, the, no, the goal that he scored for RB two earlier this season was the exact was basically a carbon copy of this, where he just strips the center back off the press in the midfield and gets it back. I think I think again for the RB two, he had like longer a longer way to run, but yeah, almost yeah. identical. Yeah, of course, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, let's see, I think uh, of course, and then I think uh, you also have to talk about the fact that it's yet another nice little cameo from Steven Sarwata as well. I thought, yes, like uh, you know, it's it, it, it's I guess this is the right way to the, the right place to kind of put this right. But I think uh, you know, 
so long as Red Bull 2 continues to send these kinds of players to the senior team, they are doing their job, right? I mean, right. the results may not be looking too good right now, but literally the last two or three years, they've had some of the worst comparative team performances like you could probably imagine, right? I mean, literally rooted to the bottom of the Eastern Conference in like what, 2020, 2021, and now 2022, right? Yeah. But in spite of all of that, they are still sending players to the senior team. Right, we right. had people emerging each year. Caden Clark, Caden uh, Clark in twenty twenty. Uh, now Serge, Serge and Servada, uh, I think. Right, twenty. Daniel Edelman as well. Daniel Edelman, yeah, coming up in twenty twenty one. Yeah, so look, I mean, I think uh, the results, you know, while they are disappointing, I do think that they are kind of red herrings in a way, right? Because. Um, so long, because I don't think the results are necessarily indicative of a shortage in the talent pipeline sometimes. I think uh, based on, uh, it may be true that some of the players may not be up to snuff, but that could be said of basically every reserve team in history. Right? I mean, even... Twi- even like even the in- reserve teams in MLS, like the reserve, the MLS reserve clubs in USL. Like, yes, we're doing the worst out of all of them, but like none of them are doing very well either. Yeah, they're not doing very well either. And anyway, like uh, to, to, to point this out, right, in the 2016 USL team, like the, probably the best like a reserve team has literally ever done because they won the fucking USL Cup. Right. right? Why is it that of all the players that were on that team, the only ones that kind of stuck were the likes of... Uh, you know, Tyler Adams, Aaron Long, and... Uh, Derek Etienne Jr. Derek Etienne Jr., yeah. Flo- Florian Below, Vincent Bezacor, you know? Yeah. But though, even then, Florian Below and Bezacor are gone now, right? So, I mean, They're like, gone. really, like, if if the results were an indicative of quality, then, you know, I mean, you know, none of those guys other than maybe Adams and Long, I would probably say, are like, you know, can't miss MLS players. Like Derek Etienne, maybe, but he seems to, you know, I mean, he just seems to be a solid MLS player at this point of his career, right? Yeah. So that's the deal, right? The guy who scored the most goals in the 2016 USL team, Brendan Allen, didn't even, like, get anything beyond a cup of coffee with the first team, right? He literally scored 20 goals in USL. Yeah. <laughs> right? I don't think he, he scored a goal for the senior team at all. Yeah, and that's, the, and that's the deal, you know? I mean, like, yeah, I mean, we can. the results are certainly disappointing, but at the other end of the spectrum, the 2016 team that had all those guys, right, literally the best results in USL history, gave us, like, maybe, like, five or six players at senior team level, which is, like, the best bounce you've ever had. In the end, in the long term, like, the only ones that really stuck at a level beyond that are Long and Adams, right? Really, like, just looking at it objectively, you know? Yeah. So that's why I think we should always point out that, yeah, you know, the results always aren't necessarily indicative of t- the quality of the talent pipeline, uh, whether they're good or whether they're bad, right? Because in spite of everything, the play- the good players will end up being called up to the senior team anyway, right? In 2017, another great example, right? Andrew Tenari was like tearing it up in USL and now where is he? Nowhere to be found, right? Yeah. I don't know where he is. Some other perverted dude can go look that up for me, but I, I don't really care enough about <laughs> tracking this shit, to be honest with you. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's that that's the deal, you know. I mean, so long as we get a one Ngoma or one Sarwata each year, I mean, Red Bull 2 has more than done its job. I mean, 
just represents a sea change of what they're trying to do down there because it's just literally the last rung in the academy ladder now, right? To give like young academy prospects some proper blooding against professionals, and then yeah. that's the fu- that's the, it's the final exam in a way, right? The mm-hmm. ones who execute the roles that roles that they are given well and look like they can slot in and contribute the senior team, we'll get that call up. You know, it's kind of where it is. That's all we really have to care about as uh, far as I think uh, the fan pers- as fans really, because the team doesn't pay us to scout its own players, man. You know, like <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I, I, I do not receive paychecks in the mail for this podcast. Right. I just want to. Yet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, when when I mint my NFT collection, though, gonna... <laughs> uh, let, 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 let's not let's not bring up um, let's not bring up those. Uh, yes, let's not bring uh, that up ever again. T- yes, Metro Fan TV coin is not is not available. Uh, in, in the spirit of Shinzo Abe, once again, I will deny um, uh, <laughs> I will deny ever saying that I wanted to mint NFTs of this team on this podcast ever again. It was all fiction. Great, the, all fiction. the claims were greatly exaggerated. Yes. <laughs> I like all the... I was like... Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, sorry. We have to focus a little bit more on the topic at hand. So, uh, I think... Um, I'm going to keep it real with you. I'm going to keep it real with you. 57th Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe. Ain't no one going to look up our BNY2 results. <laughs> uh, to, to, to put a bow on this... Um, I really do think uh, one one part of his legacy that should be uh, commended, though, is his ability to try and involve uh, men to be more respectable towards the feelings of women. So uh, Google Shinzo Abe comfort women uh, right after this. (laughs) And, uh, you know, read a lot about his legacy, about his most uh, prominent social cause over the time of his life. I think he would really appreciate it if he did that. Um, Right. And I also heard that his grandfather was a great fan of film. So type in Shinzo Abe grandfather Manchuria. And I think that'll that'll get you. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I really love the Manchurian Candidate. It's my favorite. Yes. What am I... <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway. Um, oh boy. I think we might be banned from uh, ever referencing the J League ever again on this podcast because of that. You know. So. Um... Oh, but we'll see. We'll see about that. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, um, uh, I think uh, we'll shift gears a little bit. Um, I think uh, the SKC game was a was a weird one. I think, as we mentioned, we already covered the tactical shifts, but I think uh, be it would really be in the spirit of this podcast to not talk about that wonderful shit por- <laughs> that wonderful shit housing performance towards the end. Uh, as an man, A-star. I mean, that's that's how you want to do it away from home is to shit house a one nil victory. That's like the ideal. I mean, obviously you want to bin teams every week, but like, you know, a cheeky one nil with some shit housing. I think we had Orlando last year. We had a bit of that at, at uh, New England earlier this season. Um, and I guess also if we want to talk about new like how New England. This is a second like if if you told me if like if I had a nickel for every time. We shit housed a one nil victory away from home with ten men. I would have two nickels, but I would be like, "That's strange that I have two. Yeah, I, it's strange I, that I had it happened twice. <laughs> and I can't fault that. You know, I mean, like, I I think it's uh, considering the game state 
Right. Because Cons- exactly. the fact that we were down 10 men. Down to 10 men, I should say. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, we, we were down 10. You we were down to 10 men at that point, right? I mean, uh, against the game where SKC, I think, definitely had more more of the lion's share of chances, right? right. I think uh, it was a game where we looked a bit porous, I think, throughout until we tightened it up, first of all. But even towards the end, right, we were kind of leaking chances here and there, and it required a few pretty decent stops from Carlos Coronel in order to get us over the finish line. Yeah. Right? So Where he had, well, it was a weird thing, because looking at, like, the stats, I think Kansas City were actually quite bad in this game. Like, like, it wasn't even, like, if I could, hold on, I had to pull up the stats real quick, and my computer was acting weird. But, like, basically, um... And having rewatched the highlights and a bit of the game, it's like they look dangerous without actually getting shots off. If you know what I mean, it was like they were in the box and they were getting chances, but like they didn't actually convert into, into like they really only had three shots on target. Like they own what was it like only eighteen percent of their total shots were on frame. Yeah, I think Coronel made two. Wait, yeah, he made three of three saves. Um, the closest thing they got, I think there was a one on one that Johnny Russell almost had and had it not been for like a spectacular, like based on like, they didn't show it on the highlights, but there's like a slow-mo clip of like the, the last ditch tackle that. Oh, that was Dylan the Dylan Nealis tackle, right? Yeah. yeah oh that my was God. Like, like, yeah. like, Oh, like uh shades of, uh, shades of like Alessandro Nesta. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he slid in from behind and when I saw in that, behind like, oh, and like, no. it's that one where like, like you're in the air and your leg kind of cocks back and then extends very yeah. poetic. And, yeah. And it's like one of those tackles that you're, you're basically a centimeter away from disaster at any given time. Right. But he right. wins all ball. And I was like, Oh wow. Jeez. <laughs> that was, that was the good shit. Good I mean, shit. I think I think the Nealis brothers collectively had some kind of patchy moments in this game, but I mean, like Dylan kind of stepped it up after uh, Sean got yeah. sent off. I think so. You know, fair play, uh, fair play for uh, that recovery and some really good defensive plays towards the end. I think uh, there are a couple of really good tackles, right? I think that would have made Paolo Maldini cry. So uh, <laughs> he would cry because they had to made the tackles. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of stopping it early. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but I think uh, to go back to uh, what is it? Yeah, I, was, I think yeah, I think uh, it'd be fair to say that uh, yeah, Kansas this game. You know, other than uh, even though they had a fair share of shots, you know, I mean, I would probably liken them to you know when there's a fight in the parking lot going on, and like there's a guy trying to circle around, tears his shirt off, and he's like, swing first, swing first, and then he never swings. <laughs> yeah, that's basically uh, kind of what they were. Vaguely threatening, even, yeah. But no end product, basically. No end product. <laughs> no shit housing end product either. Just couldn't get it done. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, like you know, I mean, like in the end, uh, in the end, right? Um, in the end, had it I'm not, not been for Patrick Lamala. Yeah, in the end, I'm not going to fault a gutsy performance where we are trying to close out a one nil win away from home with ten men against a team that is knocking on the door, but can't find ways to bark, to, to bust it down, right? When we're, do, like, uh, there'd be one of those cases, like, do we necessarily win this game if we were run it 10 times? Maybe not, right? I think probably, considering the circumstances, we probably lose more often than not. But this time, you know, sometimes uh, 
sometimes the coin comes up heads, sometimes the coin comes down tails, and in the and then in this particular case, it came down the way that we called it, right? So and so we win. It's fine. I think cool. I think we would win a, a, a touch more than fifty fifty because uh, I, it didn't occur to me how just how bad Sporting Kansas City were bottom yeah. bottom of the Western Conference. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. But you know, I mean, it's still away trips in MLS, right? I mean, like yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. especially for like interconference away trips where you know uh, these these are these have really kind of become the games that I, I guess MLS teams are willing to punt. Right, because you're for out of conference opponents, like on short rest as well. All things considered, um, short rest in a conference opponents, and it's in a and it's away, right? So whatever, you know. But in the end, we won three points. It was partially due to some really nice goalkeeping, a couple of really good uh, defensive, a couple of really good tackles, and an all timing shit housing performance from Patrick Lamala right at the end. So good, man. You heard the booze like... were thundering, you know. Boos were thunder, just man, so and then like, obviously, <laughs> he got the stretcher out. <laughs> they got the stretcher out, but then like he got on, and then it, the stretcher bent in half, which I've never seen happen before. <laughs> it's uh, it's just those dark arts powers, you know, like it's like uh, you know, when Palpatine's like uh, begging Miss Windu not to uh, kill him because he's a weak old man, and then he unleashes the Force lightning. Exactly. You, can, you can't. You can't. You can't. You can't keep his power down for too long. I distinctly remember fans of this team loving Felipe for doing similar things, and yeah. I, don't, I don't see the point of hand wringing over Patrick Lamala on this. Yeah, I, I, yeah, that's lame, you guys. You got to sort it out, right? You got to be consistent right. about these. You got to. You got to cheer when your guys do it. You got to boo when the opposition does it. That's that's the yeah. whole point of being a fan. Oh, you got to be. You got to be partisan as fuck. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> It is not my job on this podcast to give you objective analysis. It is my job to just talk. That's not true. But anyway, don't quote me on that. Don't quote me on that. Um, let's <laughs> let's pivot. I, like, I love that this performance was so good. They literally changed the rules, right? <laughs> they literally ended up changing the rules because of uh, to address players that have to receive treatment. You know, like like imagine them changing the meta just so that they could, like, Nerf your greatest ability. So you can nerf like, it. <laughs> that, that's the tip to that. I mean, I'm calling, I'm calling the three minutes off the field rule the Patrick Kamala rule from now on because I, I thought that was, that was, that was beautiful. Oh my gosh, it was beautiful. Like, sorry, I, I, I will, I will, I will never, I will never diss the guy for putting on a performance like that. It was great. Yes. Like, um. So yeah, Whatever I mean, primetime Emmy, Emmy, Emmy award for this kinds of things. I don't know. Amazing. It's like up there of any like all-timer pes- Pescadito up here. Pes- pescadito yes. performance, you know. Legends of the league. Pescadito, Blas Perez. Uh, let's think. Uh, I'm sure there's a few people that we're missing out. Oh, Dom Dwyer. Nasty little Dom shit. Dom Dwyer. Luke Rogers in his own way. <laughs> yeah. Connor yeah. Casey. I just think of Connor Casey in that way. I don't know. Uh, there's there's probably a few more that we could probably name a little bit more research, but I, uh, honestly, like I think I kind of came a bit underprepared for this bit because uh, I can only <laughs> really name for the remembering dude segment. It's fine. Yeah. I think it makes up for uh, the, the the var call on this one. I... Yeah. God damn it! Uh, yeah, what was that, man? I mean, if the rules state that 
VAR can overturn a mistake that's clear and obvious. If you're if you if you need four minutes to review it, how clear and obvious is it? Yeah, and like the claim that it was for a direct a dog so right, like like uh, it was definitely a handball. I don't deny right. that, but. A, a direct on goal scoring opportunity, like right. He got the like the the player got the ball afterward. Yeah, it hit his hand too, <laughs> right? Like it hit his hand. Like it got. Yeah, it's so bizarre. Like I don't know. Like I remember. I think I remember at some point. I think it was like maybe it was last year or it it was. I don't remember who was playing, but basically the goalkeeper touched the ball, like he handled the ball and knocked it away. And everyone's like, and he was obviously outside the box, and everyone was like, "Is that is that a denial? Like that's that's a red card. That's a dog. So that's denial of obvious goal scoring opportunity." But then the referee was like, "That's in the middle of the field. Like even even if even if he got on the ball, is it that obvious? I don't know." Yeah, no. The thing is, is that like I doubt you could even really say that that thing was obvious anyway. Right? And this is like why right. I said like it's one of those games where I mean like I hate to turn this into a scapegoat every single week, but it genuinely feels like there is a campaign against this team sometimes you know like it's like it's like uh i don't know i'm sorry like i I don't know what else to even say other than like i don't know (laughs) (laughs) yeah so there you go i mean (laughs) at at least in the end at least in the end we came away with three points it didn't really matter in the end but uh i think uh it does kind of leave us um a bit shorthanded on the defensive side of things uh, thankfully, or does it? I guess it does, but it feels like we're getting we're inching closer and closer to the late season Reyes return. Yeah, no, we are, we are, we are, and uh, he's been he's been he's been in the hyperbolic time chamber just training. It's uh, he's been he's been teased very solidly on a uh, social media, right? Exactly. Uh, it's like uh, I don't know. It's a uh, Teasing, teasing the grand return, basically. And that's why I think like it's still a bit of a question mark for me because I don't actually know if he's ready to go ninety. But no, I don't think so. He's either. probably not, to be honest. But <laughs> I mean, he's he made the trip to Sporting Kansas City, so if he's making trips, I feel like it's not out of the realm of possibility. He's probably a, an emergency sub, worst case scenario. But I think. Yeah. You know, had where we were at the beginning of the season, we were like worried that he was out for the entire season. Um, yeah, certainly. yeah, because these are notoriously tricky injuries to come back from sometimes because it depends on how his bone is healing. But I guess exactly the, the rehab's gone well, right? So he's not in like a Zion Williamson kind of situation, right? Because uh, I would also like not like to have him lose like a full year of a full year because of a really right. tricky bone healing process. I guess that's what makes Jones factors kind of tricky, right? But anyway, that being said, you know, it's good that he's a bit, I mean, he's training, he's been, he's able to put weight on it. So I presume that the original timeline is still on track. So that's good news, I guess, on the defensive front. Uh, Nealis' suspension will end up only being for one game, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, I don't think, even if it's dog, so I don't think you get a three-game suspension. I think three-game suspensions are, like, violent conduct still. <laughs> Uh, when you press the Q button on the old FIFA game, kind of tackle. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> yes. Slide tackle from behind. That was sick. I, I missed that feature. You know, like the instant red card button was a <laughs> was a was, was a great feature. I, I wish to bring it back at some point. 
that being said, uh, okay, so I think we're up to about 45 minutes, so we should probably uh, wrap up the analysis of the game. I think uh, let's let's issue our stocks, I guess, for uh, the last two games. I know we didn't cover LAFC. Uh, to, to give a quick run on LAFC, um, we were sloppy. The midfield was non-existent, and in the end, one team showed up and the other didn't, and that's why we lost 2-0. Okay, that's a... That puts a bow in it. Okay. Okay. Cool. Let's uh, issue the stocks then. Uh, stock up, I'll definitely give to um, Surgeon Goma. I'll give a stock up to Steven Sarwata. I will give my last stock up to. I haven't mentioned his name much this season, so I feel like uh, just because of my biases, I'm going to do it. I'm going to issue it to Carlos Cornell. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, just I think on the basis of the Kansas City performance alone, I think uh, those three saves are pretty vital in helping to preserve the three points, right? And they're pretty good saves of that, you know, I got to say. Uh, so, um, I will never stop at anything to uh, give my to, to, to give love to the goalkeeper. Actually, you know what? That's not being fair to him. I'll also give, I'll, I'll also give one to Cameron Harper. I think he deserves one. Uh, mm-hmm. He deserves one. Stop down, you know, um, I think... He's an easy scapegoat at this point, so I'm not going to, like, really get into it too much. But, yeah, I mean, probably a stuck down to Tom Barlow. But I've been forced into these situations quite a lot. But we know what he is at this point. I'm not going to knock him too much for it, right? All right? We don't need to relitigate the bit that we've been doing on him every single week. Uh, I'm going <laughs> to leave it there. Uh, probably going to issue a stock down to... I'm going to issue a stock down to... I think... Red card aside, there has been some rather shaky bits recently. I, I'm going to issue it to Big Sean Nealis, unfortunately. Um, it's been a bit spotty recently. I mean, I think you do see that we have had quite a fair bit of... We have, we've had more giveaways, I think, recently. Right? It hasn't quite looked as uh, sharp as he did to start the year, but... Whatever the case, you know, I mean, I'm still not going to really, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not it's not a big deal. I just think that he hasn't really been up to his usual standard, I think, in recent games. Uh, I'm also going to issue a stock down to John Tolkien, actually. <laughs> I think uh, it's been a couple of rough games in a row for him, right out there in the left, left back. Right, I mean, I think there were parts of the SKC game where uh, Johnny Russell was having a really Johnny Russell was having him on toast right like he murked him on that one chance that he had oh on. and i think it, it's a bit worrying i think recently seeing that he's been a, i think uh he's been a bit shaky out there at left back recently i feel yeah you know and i think that's sort on of both stuff. ends of the ball too because they're, they're noticeable like in in the game against for in atlanta like some shots he put wide, some mishit crosses. It's just like it, like he needs like five or six crosses a game before he gets one on target sometimes. And whew. yeah, he's had a rough go. If, if people want to complain about Patrick Lamala, whatever, but no one complains about John Tolkien's poor form recently. And I just want to say, uh, have some consistency here, folks. Yeah, and I do kind of wonder in his case if it's a case where, like, I mean, he's literally. Um, the only guy we have. The only guy, yeah. yeah. The only guy that we can play currently. So I think, uh, you know, I mean, left back has been a 
position of rather sparse quality this year. Right. And I and honestly I feel like you could say that for literally every soccer team on earth. Yeah, I mean like who's going where where are the backup left backs qual- with the who quality has, of backup who has left backs in MLS? Really good left backs, exactly. Exactly, right? Like this isn't exactly Pep Guardiola we can't. We don't have the Pep Guardiola budget here because right. we are a seller cap league, right? So I think these guys either have to be developed internally. Uh, I mean, it'd be a big waste to bring in somebody and then have him basically like, and then have him basically like. If you use an international spot on a guy, you would hope that he's like starting, right? <laughs> so right. Um, the only thing that I can see this developing then is like if Tolkien needs to sit inside of that he goes he slots in at left center back which is somewhere where he hasn't really played at all you know yeah that's like, an interesting one I don't I don't know if he's cut out for that yeah exactly I don't think he has the physical uh capability to do that not just that he's not a big dude but like Tom Edwards is not the tallest center back but he seems to be able to he has a bit of the steel to he's him got a to, big to, frame to, yeah he's got a big, got frame. A big frame yeah I he think Cork said that he's suspiciously tall. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't look like he's 5'10". Right. Like, he looks like he's 6'1". <laughs> yeah. But it's because he's wide. He's oh, yeah. Wide tall. <laughs> he's a sturdy lad. Yes, he's uh, got that Staffordshire uh, steel inside of him. <laughs> Staffordshire steel. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the industrial fragrance for men. Staffordshire steel. <laughs> Staffordshire steel. Can yeah. you put this on on a cold, rainy night in Stoke? <laughs> well, he can. He can. <laughs> Ching! <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, this is the conundrum that I have, right? I mean, it's clear that we need help at left back, but it's not going to... I don't know if it's necessarily going to come in the form of, like, a big money signing or, like, a big international guy that we bring in from elsewhere, right? Because it's clear that we need, we need uh, depth left back. But like, but like, look, I mean, the, the types of depth left backs you're going to get are probably going to be guys like Jason Pendon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. Quite frankly, and now he's gone, so that shit doesn't really matter anymore, right? We never have to hear this name mentioned again. Right. In fact, I think this is the first time this whole in the past two years that we've even mentioned him to begin with. Without, without a direct mention of his Vietnamese heritage. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I think yeah, that that's a very good qualifier, very good qualifier to throw in. Yeah. Um, so I mean, like that's the conundrum for me, right? I mean, it's obvious that Tolkien needs to rest now and then, but it's not immediately clear like who can slot in, right? People will kind of point to Dylan Nealis as being like the fullback depth, but that's only for the right side, right? He's been playing left center back, sure. But yeah, that's I think not he, quite the same I think as playing. He's played left on back. the left hand side only really once or twice to and to not to no real effect other than like maybe a half doing that. The only other option is to play a wing back in that spot and have Lewis Morgan in that spot. But we we haven't even been doing that recently. I think we've we've yeah. been in a uh, in a in a string of games of like Lewis Morgan playing in what we kind of imagined his ideal position to be was like an advanced attacking midfielder in like the half space. Yeah, and I, and I think it's been paying off recently as well, right? Because the underlying yeah. numbers show that Lewis Morgan is actually like having a pretty great season in terms. Of like his, game. like his com- quietly, like I mean, he's our top goal scorer right now, but also like he leads the team in like both, um, 
like expected goals and expected assists. If you look yeah. at FB ref, like he leads the team in like, um, what was it? Goal creating actions, chance creating actions. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, I think it kind of proves uh, the hypothesis that he is probably better served in that advanced role. Right. Yeah. I think so. Cause it's like, he's also partially like uh, one of the only guys that can really get to the byline of any consistency. So yeah. <laughs> you know? Uh, he's got that. He's got that winger vintage. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are. We are all. Uh, you know, we see your inverted wingers, but do you have an Inverness winger? Oh. <laughs> Very Sorry. nice. I don't think he's even from Inverness. So uh, no, I think he's like from. Uh, where did he play before? Saint Mirren. Uh. Yeah, he was at he was at he was at Celtic, but then he was on loan at Saint Mirren. But he's from he's from Greenock. Greenock. He also is from the Rangers youth system, but we don't mention that. Okay, yeah. we all make mistakes sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I think by the looks of it, yeah, he's a Glaswegian metro area boy. So, yeah, yeah. Um, that being said, um, yeah, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think we'll probably get into a bit of uh, we'll, we'll get into the transfer. We'll get to more transfer rumors in a little bit because uh, we do have news to talk about. But um, let's uh, go to your stocks first. Oh boy, uh, I well, I think originally my big stock up would have been to Lewis Morgan. I think he's. I feel like he's quietly hitting a groove. That's what's most impressive to me because I feel like I've said it on this podcast before that he was like, like he was pissing me off recently. And I guess I think he's not. Uh, a player that he's not a Lucinius type player, but there's like a quiet consistency to him. That's like we're at the stage now where it's like we're sort of seeing the results. Um, even if like his numbers are a bit juiced because uh, he scored a hat trick at the beginning of the season and he gets to step up on guys. Uh, let me think. I think John Tolkien. I think I agree to all your points. I think he gets a tiny little stock up because he he had made that goal line clearance against Kansas City that saved the three points for us. Just a little bit. Just, if you zoom in to the to the to the to the slower slope and just a little picks up just a little bit. Um <laughs> uh I think Cameron Harper gets a stock up just because I think one of the big things from his first season with the club is that like Struber clearly didn't trust him. Like his performance away in New England where like he puts him on and then he takes him off like ten minutes later was like really damning. Yeah. And now we're at the point where he's like he's not only consistently playing games but he's also like consistently like made himself an option and sort of like at the center of these tactical shifts that we need to do and sort of a willing uh participant in that i think that's you know (laughs) remember when we thought struber hated him turns out uh he stopped hating him now (laughs) now now cameron harper is my best friend yeah they're besties now (laughs) Uh, um, it, it's part of player development sometimes as well, right? I mean, like this is expected for players who have like quite literally never played this kind of system before, but came up right. as a winger, mostly played as an attacking-minded winger, and you know, I mean, a year and a half after you know of, of training every day and trying to grasp like what the manager expects of him have paid dividends. You could say that a lot yeah. about our signings of twenty twenty one. You know, yeah, Frank and it's Meyer. weird considering like how where he how he sort of emerged in like the way this team has sort of changing its tactics. Cause remember like at the beginning of last season, we were all talking about the four, four, two diamond and where he would fit. And we were like trying to think like, cause like, Oh, we don't play with wingers. We don't play with guys who get out wide. And now we yeah. certainly are. 
Yeah. And so he's found a niche for himself. Exactly. Uh, very interesting. Because the, 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 the result wasn't really 4-4-2 four, four, diamond. It was actually 3-4-2-1. Three, three, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's not the one big diamond. It's the little diamonds inside of the... I put diamonds inside of a Christmas tree. And it looks like <laughs> a, the most beautiful winter fest <laughs> that I have ever seen in this side of the Alpine region. <laughs> It's like I'm in the ski resorts again with my family. Oh my gosh. Do you think he actually calls it the, the, the Christmas tree? That'd be very funny. But yes. like he refers to it in German, but it's like, yes, the Tannenbaum formation. The Tannenbaum formation. <laughs> <laughs> Just Christmas time. Oh, Tannenbaum, mein Tannenbaum, mein Mannschaft in die Tannenbaum. And you know, it's the reason why I call it the Tannenbaum formation is because the guy at the top is the star. Patrick is the star. <laughs> Oh my gosh! <laughs> I mean, for what it's worth, Schubert really rates Klamala, so I think he's definitely, uh, definitely. Yes. There's a non-zero percent chance that he's actually said that. Cornell is Cornell is our base, is our root, is yeah. what keeps us connected to the ground. Without the foundation, the tree cannot stand. <laughs> <laughs> we get the ball like the water up to the top of the tree <laughs> through capillary action. <laughs> oh my god! It's been a while since we've uh, had a good. Since it's been a while since we've done a Struber team talk impersonation. A good, a good Struber riff. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, your, your stocks, please. Uh, I think Serge Goma obviously gets a stock up. Uh, you know, get your goal in front of the home fans in a two-one win. Personally, I would have liked to have been them, but uh, a two-one win late is also. Those make for fun nights too. Uh, good for are they good for your heart? Maybe not, but these these are, <laughs> these are the stuff that memories are made of, I guess. If the um, lows weren't so low, the highs wouldn't be so high. Basically, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, and then I guess a stock. I don't really necessarily have any stocks down. Maybe I don't know. I I feel like I've given stock I've given stock ups to Gerhard Struber for like. Uh, being able to be tactically flexible. And I think he deserves some credit for at least, like I've mentioned at the top of this episode, like this is the first time that we've seen him make changes. Like really, this is the earliest we've seen him make these kinds of changes, like halfway through the first half, instead of waiting till the half when he spots that something wrong is happening. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, credit to him for getting out of, uh, I mean, kind of creating his own mess, but also getting out of it. So, you know, I mean, that's, that's it is what it is right <laughs> right uh is that is that is that it is that we where so no stock downs is why i take it uh i'm not really in the mood okay. you know two <laughs> two wins two improbable not improbable but like they they grounded out these wins i feel like yeah okay and I, I i've qualified my stock up on john tolkien too so you know whatever okay uh, all right, so yeah, that, that that puts a bow in the last couple weeks of action. Uh, looking ahead, but before we get into that, uh, we do have some transfer rumors and some transfer activity, for that matter. Uh, a lot of oh, outgoings. I think if, if I if I could make if I could make one point. If, oh, okay. Like with the greater of the if we want to talk about these performances, right? There's a strain in the fan base complaining specifically that we need to sign a striker. The team is scoring goals. We have goals spread out across the team. We have scored 38 goals in 21 matches. That's thir- like one number is clearly greater than the other. 
and we're getting results. Yeah. I think people need to understand that if we like, I do not know what people want. Do you want if we, if we have a guy who gets double digit numbers, like where where does he fit in into this team? Does he like I don't, and, and I think people are saying like, well, we need a guy. We haven't had a consistent goal scorer since Bradley Wright Phillips. Like, yeah, we haven't had a consistent goal scorer since our greatest ever player. Do you listen to yourself? Yeah. Anyway, and also, like, like one of the one of the problems about like I love Brad, but Brad got specific kinds of service. But also, uh, when Brad Brad was literally the only guy scoring goals, when Brad wasn't scoring goals, that was a clear problem with those teams. Yeah, I mean uh, that if teams we, found a way to shut him out of the game, we were not coming out on top in those particular games. We were talking about secondary goal scorers for the longest time. Secondary in goals for the longest time, right? Right, and then if clear like. Klamala specifically, Barlow specifically, we know the roles that the forward is supposed to play in these teams. We know uh, the underlying numbers are actually benefiting them. They're showing that, that that these guys are working on the field, even if they're not putting up uh, you know, the numbers that you expect them to. Uh, also, if if Klamala is the goal scorer you expect him to be, he wouldn't be here. Are you are you like do you think that a a a, a pressing goal scorer with like double digit goals would be playing in MLS. Now he'd be playing, he'd be starting for some, from some Bundesliga team. He'd like be he wouldn't the, be he'd here. He'd be in the champions league at that point. Really. He'd be in a champions league club. I don't yeah. know. Playing for a he'd, system. He'd probably play be for playing Ajax for Dortmund or, or something. Yeah. Dortmund, like, Ajax, whatever pressing team. <laughs> um, if we want to look at other teams in this league, who's the best team in this league right now? Uh, LAFC, I think. West LAFC. Teams. Yeah. Now, if you look at LAFC, right. LAFC, we have what uh, twelve guys who've contributed goals to this team. LAFC have, uh, blah, 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 blah. if you look at their, st- these are just MLS stats. I don't have their full season stats, but then I don't think they made a deep run in in US Open Cup anyway. But yeah, uh, they have fourteen guys who've contributed goals into their, uh, and they have scored uh, thirty five goals in eighteen games played in MLS. Uh, None of their players have scored more than 10 goals this season. None of them. Uh, their two top goal scorers are Cristiano Arango and Carlos Vela, and they and they have six goals each. Like, it's not the point that we don't need one guy score. Like, if the, if the team is scoring goals and winning games, I don't see what the issue is with these people. I don't know. Yeah, and, and, anyway, <laughs> and anyway, I yeah. think, like, knowing, like, the, how Strubert, like, has traditionally set his teams up at every stop along the way, like, I would argue that the fact that the attacking midfielders is are shouldering the goal scoring burden by committee is a side that his system is working exactly as intended. It's working. Yeah, right. Man. I mean, it's like, like, and if you, if yeah, I mean, like, that's the deal, right? I mean, like at, at, uh, what at Barnsley at Wolfberger, I think like that OAM piece, like laid it out very, very clearly and in full. And I think, uh, it's clear that the striker is there to lead the line and open up space for the attacking midfielders to move into in the 18 yard box. Right, and it's the attacking midfielders that end up taking up a lot of the goal scoring, um, the goal scoring uh, burden because they're playing in the space that's created by a stretcher by a striker stretching the forward, stretching the line, stretching defenses. Mm-hmm. Right, uh, with these, what we mention a lot is outside end movement. Right, ball gets played out to the striker who's making a stretching run out wide, plays it in the inside for an attacking midfielder streaking up in the field. Right. Usually in transition, sometimes in transition, right? And I think, like, you know, I mean, the way that we played sometimes this season, it's kind of paid off. Kind of looking like that's kind of looks like, uh, kind of looks like it's been, 
the plan is kind of going off as intended because you look at all our top goal scorers right now and it's literally like all our attacking midfielders. All right? our attacking <laughs> midfielders, yeah. And it's and if like a wider point about the whole squad, like if we like LAFC has Carlos Vela, they have Christian Arango, but you know who else do they have on the team? Ryan Hollingshead, Sebastian Ibiaga. Like if we had if we had the the magic striker player that that these people are imagining, we don't get Lucinius on the team. We don't have we don't have space to you know to pay for having a back line as good as we do. Like uh, LAFC, I think they've conceded nineteen goals. We've conceded twenty. Like defensively, we are just as good as them, if not like missing guys who can. I don't know. Yeah, and this isn't even our final form, right? Exactly. We <laughs> don't even have. Reyes isn't back yet. Reyes, uh, is back. Reyes isn't back. Uh, Edwards has been miss- missed a couple of weeks, right? So we've been. A, we might get him back. I think for this game, I'm not sure. Um, then I think uh, on top of that, like uh, Monzon hasn't really been a thing. But you know, I mean, like we haven't really felt the need for his impact one way or another anyway, right? He hasn't really had an impact in the season, and he's on loan. Probably not going to yeah. be renewed at this point. Have we forgotten about Fidel Escobar? Like, this happens with Brad, <laughs> right? Like, right. Evidently, um, we have forgotten about Fidel Escobar because I literally see the same kinds of discourse surrounding it. <laughs> so, I mean, yes. sure, Fidel was playing, but he wasn't playing after a while in 2018, right? So, you know, yeah. it is what it is. It's not going it to be too detrimental at the end of the day. Yeah. I'm not going to fucking cry about it. Right. <laughs> and like, I didn't necessarily mean to derail this, but I feel like that's like a strain in the, in this fan base. And I'm just like, I'm trying to understand, like if the team is again, if the team is scoring goals and winning games, my first instinct is to be like, huh, that's interesting. What is working rather than complaining that the team isn't doing it specifically in the way that I want it to. Yeah. We, ha- we need a guy who can score goals. Yeah. We have three of those. I don't get it. What you're talking about. If you even believe in anything at all, really? I mean, sometimes I really just think it's trite contrarianism for the sake of trite contrarianism. Oh my gosh! You know, like I, I don't. I saw one. I saw one. Someone posted to like the RBNY supporters group. It was like wanting star players, and the funny thing was that it, it was like citing like Los Angeles. And, no, like not LAFC. I think it was LAFC. No, yeah, it did mention LAFC, Los Angeles Galaxy, uh, Chicago, and all those teams. Like literally every team that mentioned that signed these star players that draw out names. Only one team was above us in the table. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, we're the top of the East, folks. Like, <laughs> at the end of the day, like we are still in, we're still within touching reach of the shield. Like, a shield run is definitely on this year. So, right. you know, I mean, just watch the space, I guess. Uh, anyway, um, quick rundown of personnel changes. Uh, we did say goodbye to David Jensen and Jason Pendon. Uh, yeah, they are still on the team, but <laughs> like, really, like, uh, like we haven't really. Felt the impact one way or another. Um, so no. Do you think? Do you think David Jensen wore a hat in his time back in uh, in Belgium? I don't know. They don't have the sun in Belgium. They don't have uh, the sun. It, it, it's not real. It's not real <laughs> over there. It's an it's 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 a legend described in the, in the fantasies of the Grimm brothers. Yeah. Well, what are we talking about? Like, what is this Belgian thing? Like, stop gaslighting me, dude. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, anyway, um, I think uh, the rumor mill is spinning, though. I mean, uh, the name being thrown around is uh, Roda, Roda JC striker Dylan Venta. I think this should be pretty interesting. I mean, like uh, 23 goals in uh, the first division in the Netherlands, which is actually like the second tier of the pyramid. Uh, so 
Um, but nevertheless, I mean, I did have a quick peek at the numbers, and I think like in terms of expect in terms of both goals and expected goals plus expected assists, like this is a top five, uh, top five in the league for both. Uh, I don't so take that for what it's worth. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the his last season was the first season where I think he really went on a tear. Uh, twenty three goals, right? Uh, leading Rota to I think fourth or fifth place, I think in the table. Uh, while putting up some really good underlying numbers. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, you know, and I think uh, having a look at the video, a bit more of a classic uh, fox in the box type striker. But also, like uh, he does show like quite a fair bit of this raw power and pace and the break, uh, which I think uh, could really be an asset in our system. Um, I don't know where the fit is. I, I, I wonder if it does mean that we are going to try two striker formations at some point again. Uh, maybe it's a case where, you know, I think uh, it does seem to be an idea that we've been toying with because we were trying Klamala and Fabio out so much last year, but in the end, they overlapped a bit too much of each other. I wonder if it's a case where if you had someone who could, like, kind of stretch to play for someone or another striker who likes to occupy space in the box, right? Like Venta, if you could give that, that, that gives this team a little bit of extra oomph. Um, a lot of questions, I guess, I suppose, but all oh, the signs do seem to indicate that the team is in the market for another striker. Cause I presume Ashley Fletcher is not coming back. And I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> right. Which, fair enough. It was yeah. alone. We tried it out. It didn't work. This happens. It do be like that sometimes. It do yeah. be like that sometimes. It do be like that sometimes. This is the least like impactful way this could have happened. Yeah. He, go, he just goes back to Watford and we just look back into team sheets every once in a while. It's like, oh yeah, he was a guy, huh? And then we yeah. just kind of move on with our lives and talk about other things. Where... Maybe Watford get promoted again. Who knows? Maybe Watford get promoted and he goes in an Ivan Tony type run. <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> this game is weird sometimes like that. It's a strange game. I'm I'm keen to see whether or not we actually do end up bringing him in. It is it is the kind of name that we've looked at. And also I think interestingly enough it kind of tips a hand at like uh, where Jürgen Schneider may be uh willing to look. But then again like uh you know it was mentioned that uh this is a name that seems to be um coming up from former head of scouting, Paul Fernie, right? So, you know, um, so, you know, I mean, uh, whether or not, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, basically, um, basically, I'm not really entirely sure if you could really chalk it up entirely to the Jogan Schneider Rolodex just yet. Uh, but, Nevertheless, uh, it is interesting to see as well that like there are names being thrown around, right? And uh, um, it does, and all signs seem to point that we will be bringing in um, people in the window, seeing as how we're already clearing up roster spots for what seem to be imminent arrivals. Not imminent arrivals, but what seem to be arrivals uh, in the summer, right? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Do you think, okay, like, who who are the other names we got? It was, besides Dylan Benta, what are the other, I think, are we still on for Conrado? Conrado, Bucanelli, Holtz. Right? The left, left back, back depth, I from think. Poland, yeah. 
And I think those are the only real needs we have, I think. Yeah. So left like, back, maybe another... Sh- maybe, yeah. Left back is, an, is definitely a position need. Striker, give or take. I mean, like we said, stri- the striker seems to be doing the role that he's been asked in the system. So, but I guess another one wouldn't necessarily be the worst, <laughs> depending <laughs> on how it shakes out. I mean... If it ends up being an upgrade and they contribute more than Ashley Fletcher, I think I consider that a win, right? So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, what? I mean, what? What? What do you really think are the main positions of need for this team? I think really, I think that's how I kind of frame it. We Number one, I would think left back, right? just we we don't have depth behind John Tolkien, which I think is just the case for every team. But I think, especially now that Jason Pendant is gone, I think we would need someone in that spot. Um, we were talking a lot about, I think, earlier in the season, it was like a depth in midfield, but that does not seem to be the case because now when we play guys in midfield, we only really use a battery of two guys, and yeah. it does not seem... I mean, the emergence of Sirwad in the past few weeks is interesting. Um, it's interesting now we have Daniel Edelman coming back. Um, Caden Clark as well, I suppose. Whatever happens with him <laughs> would be interesting to see. You know, uh, Wickelman uh, Carmona still hasn't. Wickelman Carmona is also still well. out. Yeah. Um, we are a bit unsure about the future of Christian Casadas Jr. because I know we've said it in the past where we think of like, yeah, he can go. He's been bad. Uh, he's been a liability, but that sort of reversed itself. Where like, yeah, he's he's, a- he's been in a he's he's settled into a great vein of form and. Um, that could go one of two ways that we just extend him and we keep him as an integral part of this midfield spine or, or someone comes in for him with a serious bid and we have to, you know, we sell it. We, you know, we make, we make a little profit off of him. We actually re- get and the return on the investment. Yeah. We get some return on investment for him and, uh, we would have to replace, we would have to replace him. Um, fortunately we've, we've come into some money. Oh after, yeah. That's right. That's after right. one Tyler Adams, uh, is being reunited with one Jesse Marsh, uh, reunited from their time in, in, in Leipzig, obviously not just from their time in New York Red Bulls or whatever. Yeah, uh, from uh, from from Leipzig to Leeds, uh, from I don't know which part of Germany Leipzig's in, but from it's that in, part, it's in, yeah, it's in East Germany, whatever. East Germany, yeah, but I don't know the exact uh, name of the state, right, that they're in. But from there to Yorkshire, uh, I'd probably say it's a lateral move. But <laughs> Saxony, Saxony from Saxony to Saxony, Saxony to Yorkshire. To Yorkshire. Well, that's not the first time we've seen Saxons in Yorkshire now. Her, 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 hoy, her. hoy, 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 hoy. Zimmerman Telegram, Zimmerman Telegram. <laughs> <laughs> what is this? The William the Conqueror hour? What the hell? <laughs> uh, Here's your host, Charlemagne. <laughs> Whoa! Uh, okay, so yeah, I mean, I, I guess that's that, that that's a, that, that's a pretty nice development, right? Because eight eight million pounds is a pretty decent chunk of change. Um, right. I don't know how they're sending it across, but it doesn't really matter because I think either way, we know eight million dollars. We're going to have eight million dollars to play with, <laughs> right? Whether it's in installments or one lump sum, but either way, like I don't think that money expires anyway because it's not subject to the rules. Uh, arcane um rules on the conversion of transfer fees into tam and gam because it's not technically a transfer fee 
it's a one-off payment, right? Right. And a clause. Or at least I don't think so from what uh, we gathered before uh, we recorded. Yeah, this. I don't know how the rules would go for like a sell-on clause. That's interesting. I don't think, uh, yeah, I don't think there's anything explicitly mentioned, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but uh, thanks to Fernando, he did mention that I don't think he's there anything in the rule book um, dictating how transfer fees can be broken down. So, I mean, I'll just have to take his word for it because he's our quote unquote, he's our unofficial rule book expert on this podcast. And he yes. searches through uh, League Arcana so, I, so that we don't have to. So, thank you for your service, Fernando. He has <laughs> Ali Curtis's 8,000 page book. Dude, I wouldn't be surprised if he actually managed to steal it or something. Like, if there's anybody who somehow managed to chance upon this document, it probably would be Fernando. <laughs> right, he, he just happens to get access to, like, their 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 archives yeah. via their Wi-Fi. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, yeah, the, 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 wi- the Wi-Fi at the stadium has a, has a, has a, has a, has a, has a cryptography glitch that allows yeah, me man. access Security to Security is real bad. Their internet network. <laughs> yes. Some bullshit like that. I think IT guys who listen to this podcast are probably laughing at me right now because you're like, no, that's not how cryptography works. You that's not how it works. Yeah. Listen, I just, just like, they don't pay. I don't pay the bills by doing IT stuff at the end of the day. Exactly. Uh, so, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, nevertheless, like all all signs basically this is a very roundabout way of me saying that all signs kind of point to um, incoming um, incoming transfers. Uh, like I said, it's going to be interesting to see where Schneider decides to pull from as well to his Rolodex. And I think that's only going to become more apparent as the windows roll on, right? So, yeah, I mean, uh, already making moves. Uh, finding a way to clear out some remaining deadwood on the roster, which I suppose is good. Uh, finding a home for Jason Pendon. I mean, on the salary that he was on, I mean, that's no mean feat, I guess. But, yeah, uh, you know, that was... So yeah, going back to league, duh, I think if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but you know that aside, we had yeah, covered the rivers, we covered the outbound transfers. Let's look ahead to team news uh, ahead of the game against FC Cincinnati on the weekend. Uh, as we mentioned, uh, Andres Reyes has been spotted back in training. We don't exactly know how close to match fitness he is just yet. I doubt he's 90 minute fit. I wouldn't be surprised to see him be named on the bench and then make some, you know, cameo appearances to get some, you know, get some reps in at Red Bull 2 before he's really ready, perhaps uh, in the closing stages of the season, right? Uh, seems to be that they're working on conditioning and fitness for the time being. And you know what? Fair enough. Just came back from a really tricky injury. Uh, yeah. Let's see. Tom Edwards might be back for this, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, I think Struber had said that he'd be back... Um sooner rather than later yeah so i, I feel I, like i feel like tom and tom edwards like suffers like a career ending injury every game but then he's fine the next week it's like we said it's uh he, he's just built different right staffordshire steel staffordshire steel exactly ladies and gents that's what we should old. call that's what we should like call this episode we, that's that needs to be part of <laughs> episode 70 sponsored by staffordshire steel <laughs> <laughs> a lot of s's in this yes uh Let's see. I think uh, also, as we know at this point, uh, Dylan Nealis will probably be suspended for this game. So yes, is this or like Sean Nealis? Sean Nealis, yeah. Sorry, Sean Nealis. Like even in light of the really weird revisions that were made to the red card rule recently, I don't know what the fuck is going on with that. 
but <laughs> oh, that 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 just applies for MLS next. I that's not going to apply to the league. Oh, okay, I must have misread that then. Okay, that's good. Yeah, no, that's specifically. Yeah, I watched a video of Ali Curtis explaining it. They're very weird, but that's strictly for that's going to be for MLS. I was going to say because uh, for the, I guess for listeners, if you don't know, it's basically the red card rule that's going to go into effect for MLS next. Is that if a team suffers a red card, the suspension will be will be served the next time those teams played. If they don't play again, then they would just serve the next game. Yeah. So but- as as what many hap- as what happened many times to RB2 this season, whenever they would suffer a red card under the new rules, they would play like they when I when I went to go see them live, they played loud and united at home. One player suffered a red card, so by those new rules they would be uh, the suspension would not be served in the next game, but would be the next game against Loudoun United. If the team does not play Loudoun United the next season, or again in that season, it would be the next game. If a player... <laughs> here's here's the tricky part. If a player goes from one team to another, that suspension will still be served by that player against... The, it's very strange. But basically... It's against if the they team can, that he originally picked it up against, right? Exactly. And yeah. like basically the rule is basically... Yeah, and it it sounds confusing, but basically, if it if if that suspension cannot be served in that way, it's just the next game. So it's you know, it's very stupid and convoluted. It's kind of long it, story it is short. honestly, uh, <laughs> but I'm it's not going to happen in with the with the first team. So I'm like we have to worry about it. Uh, I just wonder if it's uh, if they're using MLS next as like uh, the the. Uh, you know the guinea pig for some weird rule changes. Weird rule changes, yeah. Senior level, so it doesn't impact this yet. But depending on how this trial goes, who knows? There's a one league that really likes to make everything even more opaque, stupid, and convoluted. It's MLS anyway, so right. We all know this at this point. Uh, love the New York Red Bulls, hate MLS, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, anyway, uh, so uh, I think, uh, yeah, so Sean Nealis' suspension, that kind of covers it. I think uh, it really makes the defensive configuration a bit of a question mark for this game, I think. Especially, actually, since I think this is a Cincy team that really likes to hit on the counter, right? Yeah. I mean, I think. Also, I- another team that likes to play three at the back, not necessarily to build out from the back and to invite our press in, but just because. They don't like conceding goals. Yeah, they, it's which, a low block. Although I will say uh, they have conceded a lot of goals despite having a three-man back line. Yeah, it's kind in of the insane. It's kind of insane, like how much uh, they've been emanating like Brendan Rodgers Liverpool vibes recently, where they could score three, but also just as easily concede five. Right. <laughs> right so. Give it to the front three; they'll sort it out. The rest of you, just God fucking run you. around a bit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just a bunch of Mamadou Sakos at the back. <laughs> Guys putting out fires 24 Mamadou Sakos and Alberto Gonzalez Garcia's. Yeah. El- El- Throwing a day on Lovren. Uh, Alberto Moreno. Iago Exactly. Uh, <laughs> name. Very, 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 very interesting names, basically. Um, but anyway. Um, so I think. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm gonna be quite curious to see how we line up, right, for this game because um, keeping in mind that we seem to be a bit shorthanded in defense, uh, especially if Tom Edwards isn't ready in time, right? Uh, and this is uh, against a team that specifically likes to hit teams in the counterattack, right? So um, we have been able to handle these kinds of tricky. 
um, defensive assignments pretty well for the most part this year. Yeah, particularly, um, I think, against Atlanta, Atla- against um, New York City FC. The New England game was also pretty good. But New England as well. Yeah. yeah. Even though New England aren't as good as they were last year, obviously. But, uh, yeah, I think all those other examples that you mentioned were, yeah, they're all pretty vital, I think. Um, I think uh, my, my, gut fe- my, my gut feeling is that we might actually end up going with a four-man configuration, to be honest. Um, unless, you know, uh, you know, Schubert's just playing like Fergie injury mind game saying, oh, he might not be ready, he might not be ready, and then he's suddenly in the team sheet. <laughs> you know? Or, or else we get Tom Edwards back and then we have Edwards Long, the younger Neelis. Tolkien and uh, somebody. Tolkien and then um, Harper, right? Harper at, yes, yeah. right wing back, yeah. Yeah. That might be that might be the move. That might we'll be the see. move. We'll, we'll see, see, basically. But yeah, I think as you mentioned, uh, that's the key to the game, right? It's how well we um, deal with Cincy's counterattack, um, especially the front three. Uh, Brandon Vasquez, Brenner, and our old friend Lucho Acosta. Yeah, yeah, exactly. PSG legend Lucho Acosta. <laughs> <laughs> and even more, um, and even more. Uh, Long distance version of the Peter Odomwinji story of uh, driving oh to my the gosh. QPR parking lot and not being, being ghosted because the yes. guy actually flew to Paris and had it like fall apart the last minute. Yes, <laughs> which which has to kind of suck because <laughs> like, <laughs> a he had to be in Paris and two right. <gasps> like he flew to Paris for nothing. Pero boludo, can I at least hang out here? No, go away. I mean, would you want you're on the next out? flight in the morning? <laughs> But to be fair to him, would you want to hang out in Paris anyway? I mean, I, when I was in Paris, it was fine. It smells like a toilet, dude. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it was cold, so my sense of smell was inhibited. Yeah, no, I just, I just really wanted to make fun of the French. But, yeah. No, I, I understand. Yeah, sorry. I, I, I will try and be more sensitive next time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I won't. <laughs> no, you won't. Yeah, um... Okay, it's so, okay. Well, so yeah, I think um, I mean, I think that's really all the thing about Cincinnati, like we know, right? I mean, like you know that we like that they, they like to set up in that low block, and then in inviting teams to uh, basically push up from pressure, they try and break in the spaces like uh, that open up in between, and uh, yeah. so long as we prevent like uh, these um, line breaking passes, I suppose, and. Uh, clean it up a little bit at the back because I do realize we have been giving away a fair share of uh, breakaway opportunities in recent weeks, right? We do kind of need to tighten that up a little bit. Yeah. So long as we address that, right? I think uh, I do fancy our chances, uh, but I'm not going to really uh, explicitly say that this is like a definite win because there's no such thing as like a definite win on the road in MLS. Yeah. Let alone in MLS. Yeah. So it's been tough goes our last few games. Our last two games where we had a one nil win away in October and then a nil nil draw at home in August. So Yeah. 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 You you get humbled very quickly in this league, basically. That's what I'm trying to say. One of our Um, probably one of our roughest games last season. That home win. That home uh nil nil. Dude, that sucked. <laughs> that fucking. I mean, 
You think it sucked. I was there. <laughs> I, I fell asleep, I think. You fell asleep. I actually fell asleep. <laughs> then I woke up. It was like, how are we like struggling to win at home against a team rooted to the bottom of the East? And some really angry sensey dude got into my mentions about it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I was like, my dude, it's not my fault that your team fucking sucks, okay? I do expect to beat your team every time you trot them out. Every time you try out to play them. Like Right. I think I think Cincinnati tweeted something like some like stats. She's like, they've only beaten us once, and I'm like, Are you sure about that? Or like <laughs> it like or they they didn't count this they didn't specifically count the open cup game. Well, I think that was a traumatic memory for many people in Cincinnati, so <laughs> Right. Specifically that one girl with her face. Oh yeah, the girl who uh, dislocated her jaw, like shot. <laughs> that was so good. That was so good. I, I laughed so hard when I saw that on the feed. I can't believe I was there for that, man. I mean, like, truly, like, one of the most special, like, um, away trips, I think, that I've ever been on. Yeah. Memorable for a variety of different reasons, but I'm probably going to have to recap that on another episode or another podcast somewhere in the extended uh, Red Bull Podcast Multiverse. Uh, so, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll swap war stories some other time. Because I think, uh, yes. I mean, I don't know. Do we, do we really have anything nice to say about Cincinnati? I don't. <laughs> uh, oh, would you look at the time? We're almost at one thirty, So I think yeah. we should be wrapping it up, right? We should probably wrap it up. Yeah, we have nothing nice to say about Cincinnati. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> as is part of the course, I think, for this podcast. So uh, let's see. Uh, the Cincinnati game will be happening away from home. I think so. We'll be on the way on the road. I think it's at seven thirty Eastern, right? Correct. Okay, cool. My time zone conversions are still spot on. That's great. Because um, the daylight savings switch hasn't happened yet. Ah, that's gonna suck. But anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> please do away with daylight savings, America. What the fuck is wrong with you? Seriously. Um, anyway, uh, yeah. That being said, I'm looking. I would say and say looking forward to this away trip, but I'd be lying. Like nobody looks look, looks forward to going to fucking Cincinnati, man. Like, <laughs> come on, Ohio now. in general in this league. Yeah, Ohio in general. Like, what the fuck even is that, dude? Like, it's just the part of it's it's just like the shitty parts of Illinois, but it never ends. Like, oh my gosh. <laughs> so yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. Uh, just just get the just get the win and get home as soon as you can. Because I think uh, right after that we have uh, the Derby, right? That happens the week yep. after. So yeah. Oh boy! All right. So yeah, there you go. Um, Juan, thank you so much for your time today. Of course. And uh, everybody, uh, everybody listening here, thank you so much for your time once again. Bit of a longer episode this week, but hopefully you'll be able to bear with us. Um, Metro Fan TV saying peace, good night, drive home safely wherever you are. Bye. We're gonna play football, 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 all around the world. We're gonna play football
we're talking about football.